You're listening to the Influencer Podcast, episode 91. Welcome to the final episode of 2018. Can you believe it? I know it's a cliche thing to say, but how the heck did we get here? Where did this year go? Oh my gosh, it's been so crazy. And I guess it's true what they say. The time flies when you're having fun. And I have had so much fun learning and growing alongside you this year. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here and making this show possible. I know how valuable your time is, and I am beyond grateful to those who tune in, who DM me, who screenshot your episodes, and all of those things. So with that said, I want to make sure that I'm hearing from you as we wrap up this year. So make sure to head over to iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're tuning in from, subscribe to this episode, and leave us a review so I can highlight your review in an upcoming episode. And I want to make sure that you head on over to Instagram. That's where I tend to hang out and tag me at Jules Solomon, hashtag the influencer podcast. Let me know what you've loved about this episode. Let me know some of your biggest takeaways, because I'm going to screenshot that and put it on my story too. So without further ado, I wanted to let you know that we're sharing some of my favorite, favorite things to talk about today, which is all about pitching strategies. Now, earlier this month, I shared the best of blogging and social media episodes. And if you missed those, I definitely recommend going back and giving them a listen. They're packed with actionable tips to help you uplevel your content strategy. But of course, I am so excited for today's episode because it's my favorite topic ever, pitching. I'm sharing the top three best pitching episodes that we've had to date. And these episodes topped the download charts and received great feedback from you. This is going to be another short but sweet episode because I really want you to go back and listen to these three episodes in their entirety. So I'm going to be sharing a quick recap of some of these episodes. And then after the show, you can head on over to juliesolomon.net forward slash 91, where you'll find all of the episode links that we cover today in one place. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. We start out going back to episode 25 with the amazing Molly Schoenfeld that's all about how to work, rework your influence using media. Now, I love Molly because she's the founder of a boutique PR firm in LA. She also has a blog. She's worked with major celebrities, and so she gets it when it comes to media. And I love this episode specifically because Molly has a unique perspective on the relationship between PR, blogging, and branding. It's one of the best things, like how they all work together that she shared on the episode. Take a listen. You know, I was able to bring in the hotel angle because I had this eucalyptus ice cream at this boutique hotel in Rome one time, and it was just one of the best things I'd ever put in my mouth. Mm -hmm. And so I recreated that. And I'm not a chef. I'm not even a food blogger, really. But I figured out how to recreate it. There were no recipes online, by the way. Like, I had to just kind of figure it out based on other ice cream recipes and made that for one of our dinner parties. And so I could say, you know, I recreated this ice cream that I had at the Hotel Eat and in Rome and I tweeted it and they retweeted it and commented on it. And so then it was kind of also something that my, you know, I really want hotels to notice what I'm doing. It was a way to kind of bring them into the mix. 
Um, but another way that you, I have a really, um, I have a great friend in the UK who's a really big travel blogger. And I know that she has gotten quite a lot of placements in national media or even international media. She signed up for Harrow, which is that service called Help a Reporter Out. Yes. And it started email chain and Peter Shaman started it and like turned it into this insane thing and then sold it, I think, to Cision. But um, it's basically where reporters will list what they're looking for and what stories they're working on. And a lot of times they're needing experts. So that's a really great way for you to submit yourself knowing that they're working on particular stories and they need people like you. Right. I love that. I love just kind of, it goes really back to doing your research and doing your homework. Um, yes. setting the stage, collaborating, um, the tips that you just gave were fantastic. So we, we've talked a lot about how to make it a win for the media outlet. I would love to know what your advice is on what influencers and bloggers need to make sure to do or to include or to provide when they essentially create this pitch and this story in order to make it a win for them as well. Yeah. So the thing that I've learned both from my own blog and then also representing um, celebrities that have blogs is that you should never assume that the media or the brands that you're reaching out to are going to link to your blog or tag you in social media. You really have to be super specific and clear about what you're asking in your initial pitch, or at least when they come back and say yes, then you should say, great, and can you link to this? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've worked with, you know, national magazines that, you know, we do this kind of stuff all the time and they leave out the link to my client's blog. Um, And that's not a huge deal online because that's something that can be fixed very quickly, but it's a really big bummer if it's in print because there's nothing that can be done. So you really have to do your due diligence and make sure that you are clear in what you're asking. Um, because so many times, you know, the editor that you're the, you know, reporter that you're working with is not the person handling the social media. So they're probably not thinking about it. Um, it's not, and I've learned the hard way. I mean, lately I've done several collaborations with hotels and realized that I didn't ask when I asked to photograph their hotel, will you repost this on social media and tag me? And twice now, <laughs> they, um, and I'm, and you know, and I'm sort of sitting here like sulking, like they hate my photos or they hate me or, you know, whatever it is. And no, the reality is, is that I didn't ask for it. Right. See, and it's like, it's things like that, that you completely forget to, to do sometimes because you're so inundated in all the other steps that it's like, Oh, wait a second. I still have to be my own publicist at the end of the day. I still have to make sure that what I'm trying to sell through is there. Um, because if it's not, then it, then you just get lost in the shuffle and it kind of hinders your opportunity to grow. Um, well, and, and it goes back to exactly what you said of making it easy for them. You exactly. know, it's like this, this is just another piece of making it easy for them. Right. It's so true. Um, I want to talk about what you saw and you can even use your own experience as an influencer and then your experience with your clients. Um, you know, once you were able to do that story that the pitch with, with Stami pretty and with Lonnie that you were talking about the beautiful thing that you curated, did it help you explode in terms of growth, in terms of awareness? I mean, obviously it was something that you could add to your press kit, which is invaluable, but, um, was it kind of a catalyst for anything? Yes or no. And then what have you kind of seen as a catalyst for growth when it comes to media placements? 
So it definitely was a catalyst for my growth. The very first time that we did um, the dinner party and we got the press, I felt like from there, and it wasn't necessarily that I got like 200 new followers or 5,000 new followers or anything like that on social media. Um, It was probably pretty minimal, but what it did for me was it just kind of set off this this thing in motion where it was kind of just all uphill. Well, not all uphill, but it was just an up uphill thing where, um, that kind of led to, you know, somebody seeing like, I, well, I'll back up. So the other press piece that I got was my home. So when I renovated my house, um, I made sure to take a ton of before photos. We did a complete gut of our, um, condo and redid it and whatever. And I had it professionally shot and I actually got that in Lonnie magazine. And when that happened, that was, that was a really big get. I did see an increase. It also really started making people stand up and notice what I was doing. And so I think because that was also around the time that I was doing the dinner party, it was just, you know, I was getting more than one piece of press and it just felt like, wow, you know, things are moving. And I think perspective is everything, especially with blogs, because it is sometimes really difficult to, to measure influence. And so when you start doing these, these things and you're getting press, it just gives you credibility. Um, and that's really when I started to see the growth and people taking what I was doing way more seriously. So amen to that. If you want to learn more about leveraging media opportunities, head on over to juliesolomon.net forward slash 25 to listen to this full episode. Now on back to episode 52, where it's me. I take you through my bumpy journey as an influencer. It may look like I have it all figured out, but man, I was struggle city in the beginning. And as a new blogger, I got caught up in the affiliate rat race that honestly really made me lose touch with myself and my community. I definitely hit a confidence low during this part of my blogging career, but my saving grace came from a rebrand that I did. I tapped into my decade of PR experience and developed a pitching strategy for my rebrand that ended up making me six figures that year. Also, as a result, I tripled my engagement. I stopped relying on affiliate links alone for income. And most importantly, I reclaimed my purpose, my voice, and my happiness. Take a listen. About six to nine months into my blogging journey, I heard about the affiliate sites that some of my blogger friends were using, and I thought it sounded cool. Plus, everyone was really excited about it. Even though sharing outfits wasn't really an aspect of my site at the time, because remember, it was a lifestyle site geared towards mom and, and, and motherhood, you better believe I thought I needed to be part of this exclusive affiliate community. I mean, my friends were making good money from it, and everyone else was starting to do it, especially here in LA. And I wasn't making any money from my blog. So I thought I needed to try it out really quick for those not familiar with the affiliate sites in general, essentially influencers make a commission off of what they're selling when using the platform. So let's say a blogger links to a shirt and uses their affiliate link, which is created in the back end and you buy that shirt, then the blogger is making a commission off of that sale, as is the affiliate company. And with blogs becoming such a huge resource for shopping in 2014, you can imagine how much bloggers were making using these affiliate sites and still making now four years later. Since you have to be accepted to this one particular affiliate company as an influencer, I put my application in and I waited. And something kind of crazy happened. 
pretty much overnight, I started questioning my blog and my brand in a way that I never had before. I started thinking to myself, am I good enough? Why haven't I heard from them? If I haven't been accepted, does that mean that my content isn't good? Do they hate my content? Do I have enough followers? I was so extremely proud of my site just a few days prior, but now my brand's confidence was shadowed by this self-doubt and anxiety because it was all becoming contingent on if this affiliate company was going to accept me. So though I felt those negative feelings, I pushed them aside especially once I heard back from the affiliate company about a month later, they had accepted me. I was so excited. I felt like I was in, you know, like I was approved. I had made it. And all of a sudden I was a lifestyle blogger with a focus on motherhood. And I started sharing the outfits and let me be real here. I am a girl's girl. I love me some fashion, but honestly, at the end of the day, yoga pants are my best friend. And it's what I was spending the most time in at this point outside of work, not the outfits that were affiliate worthy, but that didn't stop me. I wanted in on what everyone else was doing with affiliates. I had seen the cash that could follow and I wanted to be a part of this exclusive group. So I started putting together outfits with the hashtags OOTD, LTK, WIW, and every other fashion tag out there on Instagram. And I started sharing more outfits on my site. And of course, making every single link an affiliate link. I also immediately jumped on that like to know post thing on Instagram that enables publishers to earn money off of Instagram posts. Now with social media, a part of the affiliate game, this set forth a major tidal wave of affiliate dependence. It really became addicting. I started asking myself things like, how much could I sell today? How many outfits can I pull together together this week? I started telling myself I needed new clothes all the time. Nothing I had in my closet was good enough. I needed new. I needed more. I needed to sell. I started spending countless hours at affiliate friendly stores like Nordstrom, ordering clothes online, hiring photographers to shoot outfits of me, stalking other Instagram accounts, returning the clothes, trying desperately to be regrammed by the affiliate company's page and crafting my feed to look just like everyone else's who was using affiliate links and sharing outfits too. I was constantly checking my phone, went out to dinner with friends to see how many clicks I got on my last outfit. I was posting multiple times a day, spending 60 plus hours a week curating content to please the affiliate buyers. And little by little, the affiliate checks did start rolling in. I was seeing cash, even if it wasn't as much as some of my other friends, it at least was a start. So I felt like I had made it, right? I figured out how to monetize my blog. I was all set. The side hustle was working. Now, mind you, at the time, I still was working full-time as a publicist and making a substantial living doing so. I'm college educated. I have a wealth of experience and knowledge under my belt. I've been doing PR since 2006. And typically, I follow my intuition, which really leads me to valuable business advice. And if you've heard my episode about following your fear, which is episode 23 of the Influencer Podcast, you know what I'm talking about. But unbeknownst to me, I had drunk a massive glass of this affiliate Kool-Aid and I started down one of the most destructive business paths of my career. Not to mention 2014 and 2015, when I got wrapped up into this affiliate rat race was one of the most unconfident periods of my entire life. During this destructive year, I may have started making money from affiliate links, 
but the inconsistent and nowhere near enough to to sustain the full-time career kept me feeling exhausted. Most important, the authenticity of my blog and my voice completely disappeared. Completely. I wasn't creating content out of passion. Heck, I wasn't even creating content out of a sliver of passion. I was creating content and running my blog all based on what would perform well for affiliate standards while constantly comparing myself to the blogger world around me that was growing by the second. I did not want to get left behind and I was constantly in that scarcity feeling. My captions were outfit focused and quite frankly, robotic and completely disingenuous. There were no authentic explanations about why I love the pieces that I was sharing about my photos. There were no honest takeaways, solutions to issues that mattered or real connection with this beautiful community that was right at my fingertips to learn and grow from me, myself and my brand got manufactured and boring. My following only responded when I shared photos of myself in cute clothes and social media really became the only real way I got engagement. My newsletter subscriptions started to decline. I was continually promoting affiliate links more than my actual blog links. And worst of all, the traffic on my blog became almost non-existent. No one ever needed to leave my Instagram feed to go see what I was talking about on my blog because everything that I was talking about was affiliate links right there on my Instagram feed. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I 
kajabi.com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. I was unknowingly teaching my audience how to like and know photos and not teaching them anything else. I was training my audience to not only love the affiliate content, not the content I was curating. I became so unconscious to the lack of connecting that I was taking place between my readers and myself. It was a vicious anxiety fueled and impersonal rat race for me. And I started to feel it. Real quick before I go further, I want to preface the next bit by saying this. I am not blaming any affiliate company for my lack of growth during that time. When it comes to those companies, I did and still do work with them from time to time. So I'm not biting the hand that feeds. I also want to say that I am in no way disrespecting any influencers who rely on affiliate sites to make their income. I am a huge supporter of women following their passion truly, but more on this in a few minutes. So as the hamster wheel spun on, I became aware of my situation. I was running and running and I had brought my beloved community with me. I had to get myself, my brand and my community off this wheel and back to a place of empowerment and brilliance. Around this time of pretty much pure exhaustion, I also became aware of the disconnect between the affiliate companies that I was dying to perform well for and what I was getting out of it. Yes, I was consistently making anywhere from $500 to $2,000 a month from the affiliate site, but I was making a lot more money on the brand deals that I had started pitching and negotiating for myself, usually another two to 4000 and that had nothing to do with an affiliate site. But the affiliate company ended that year, this was 2014, with $10 million in sales and 75 million emails in their database. Compared to my $500 to $2,000 in commission from them, I was a spec in their affiliate universe. I felt like they didn't care about me. I felt like they didn't even know who I was. I point this out because it was here that I started to notice what bloggers like myself were doing for the growth of this affiliate company and really how little in the grand scheme of things we were getting from them in return. Of course, you have your outlier bloggers in the world of affiliate influencing, but I was not one of them. The majority of bloggers out there are not one of them. What I realized in this process was that we bloggers have the divine right to work with affiliates in a way that is fair and healthy. It doesn't enable them as our sole source of income, inspiration, and growth. And most importantly, there has to be a strategy in place if you want to sustain a business and brand over time. You have to rely on yourself and your brand, not on an affiliate network that one, might not be a true fit for your brand anyway, and two, could be gone tomorrow. All of that was a serious realization for me. It was a massive screech in my hamster wheel, a chance for me to get off of it, to refocus, realign, re-engage with what my blog, my influence was really meant to be. I needed to get back to what my real passions were and why I initially sought out to be a blogger in the first place, which for me was to create and to connect. I needed to get back to my core values, to my heart. So where did I go once I deprioritized affiliates? Well, hence, it's where I am today. 
You see, as a natural connector, a professional strategist, and publicist, I've always been driven by helping and inspiring people to find that creative magic within, the magic that inspires courage and determination to let their brand and business shine. But I wasn't doing that with affiliates. Top that off with working directly with bloggers and influencers and landing the major brand deals, I knew there was a magic brewing within what my brand could be. And again, this didn't solely include affiliates. I started thinking that perhaps bloggers rely so much on affiliates because they may not have the proper strategy, connections, tools, or know-how to build a purposeful influence and monetize their blog themselves. Maybe bloggers saw affiliates as the only answer when in fact it's not. I saw that I was consistently building my brand and generating more side hustle income from the relationships I cultivated and brand deals I was negotiating for myself instead of the affiliate links that I was using. I knew this is where I could begin helping bloggers out there that were just like me. I could teach them how to do the same thing. So how I re-strategized and got back to what I felt was my passion was that I started asking myself questions like these. What is my long-term goal with my blog? What am I currently doing every day with my blog that takes up the majority of my time? And is that really helping me get to my goal? What are my opportunities for growth? Am I giving into negative emotions, competition, comparison, or fears too much? How are my connections and relationships with my audience? Am I making a sustainable living with my career? Do I even feel like I have a career? Am I doing work that inspires me and aligns me with my purpose? Am I hitting my income goals? What does my audience really need from me? How can I best serve them each day? So I changed my blog name to juliesolomon.net, the online resource for bloggers and influencers in 2016, and created this very podcast, The Influencer Podcast, in 2017, which are both now destinations for creative influencers and bloggers to find their purpose, establish their brand, and grow their business and income, which you probably already know. And from this rebrand, I also created Pitch It Perfect, which is an online program that teaches influencers how to move from one-off paid-to-post content and redundant and affiliate links to long-term big bucks and brand collaborations. One month into this rebrand with my new focus, I had doubled my newsletter subscription and grown my website traffic by 57%, huge. My Instagram numbers and engagement also multiplied. I made $10,000 a month in brand partnerships from the pitching techniques that I created in Pitch It Perfect because I was spending more time focusing on that than I was trying to make $10 off of an affiliate post. My brand was improving and my business was growing more into a long-term brand and not just a side hustle, all without relying on the affiliates as the basis and backbone. I was sharing what I really loved, writing blog posts that helped other influencers out there create a brand that was unique for them, doing my own thing on my own time in my own way. Weekly trips to the mall and Instagram obsession was not included. And even saying this out loud now, I truly feel an incredible amount of light and gratitude because by following my true core calling, not what I saw working for others in my industry or making affiliates my priority, I was succeeding. The brand was honest and very much me. And best of all, I was happy. I was really starting to find joy in the work that I do, which is now why I still find joy in the work that I do. 
So that was a lot. There you have it. It might be a really crazy, beautiful, broken story full of big lessons and loss of time and not feeling like myself, but it is a story that to me is brave and beautiful because it led me to this very podcast and it led me to you and it led me to the rebrand of my truth. It led me to serve in my own uniquely creative way with all of you today. And it was a rebrand full of lessons, but in the end, really full more of light, honestly. So I hope this was obvious, but if not, I'd like to call it out. My intention of sharing my journey was to connect to be something you could nod your head to, to relate to, to take something away from. This is not a plot against affiliate platforms, nor is this anything negative towards influencers who rely on them. I still use them. I have a lot of incredible, incredible friends who are fantastic influencers who use them. The point is to inspire y'all to think back to the root of your business and of who you are and to empower you to know that there's more to blogging than affiliate links and to give you some strategy tips along the way. There's more to your brand than relying and obsessing over affiliate and there are other ways to create income. I think this episode is one that a lot of you can relate to, especially if you feel like you are stuck in that affiliate rat race of trying to get um, monetizing your income in that way. So if you're struggling with engagement, if you're struggling with really trying to figure out how to monetize it, the pitching tips that I share in this episode will help you. And you can hear that over at juliesolomon.net forward slash 52. Finally, we go back not too far to episode 72 with one of my favorite people on the planet, Susie Moore, who happened to be in the mastermind that I did over this last year. Over the course of the year, we became good friends and I just love everything she puts out into the world. She is a media maven. I've literally not met any influencer who knows how to get as much media as Susie does. I'm talking today's show, Forbes. You name it, she has done it. And what I love about Susie's advice is that you don't have to wait to become an expert to get media. It's actually the media that makes you an expert. Take a listen. So when people say, uh, oh, Susie's got some of the best media, da, 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 or she, uh, even in my corporate background, some of my achievements, I have a high school education and I have no life coaching certification and I had no connections in any of this. And I'm, as you can probably tell, uh, I'm not even from the country. So it's not as if I have anything that you probably don't have, right? You're, probably the people uh, tuning in have a whole lot more advantages, qualifications, experience than me. This is one episode that you do not want to miss if you are someone who wants to learn really easy ways to start acquiring media for yourself. So head on over to juliesolomon.net forward slash 72 to listen to that. And there you have it, guys, the top three pitching episodes. Again, you can find all of them at juliesolomon.net forward slash 91. I also gave you the individual links as well. Now, make sure to subscribe to iTunes to stay up to date on what's happening with the Influencer Podcast, guys, because we have some new things coming out in a few short weeks. And if you really want to uplevel your pitching strategy, you should totally check out the free webinar that I have over at pitchitperfect.net forward slash webinar. I designed this webinar specifically for bloggers and influencers influencers like you who are wanting to learn how to acquire more brand deals, really move from the one-off deals to more long-term brand relationships. So again, you can find that free webinar at pitchitperfect.net forward slash webinar. Well, my friends, that is a wrap for 2018. Again, thank you so much for tuning in today, for tuning in this year. Have the happiest new year, and I cannot wait to see you when we come back in 2019.
Wanting even more influencer podcast goodness and to connect with like-minded influencers? Join our Facebook community for daily tips on how to up-level your business and chat with myself and other listeners. All you gotta do is visit facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the influencer podcast to be a part of this wonderful community. Are you ready to create your own industry-leading influence? For show notes, downloads, and action-based tips, head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com, where you can find out more about this week's episode, guest, and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.